0: Hi, welcome to Moments with Marilyn. I'm your host, Marilyn Boyer, the mom of 14 homeschool kids who has homeschooled for over 37 years. But it is my passion and my privilege to share with you tips and tools to make your journey easier. Today we're finishing up a series. This is the fourth lesson I think we will be covering on managing your busy life. And I know your life is busy. I've been there. I know it is very busy. So we've been sharing some things that can kind of help you to manage the different areas of your busy life to make it easier for you. Last week we talked about friendship and having a servant's heart. And there's a handout that we're going to be talking about the bottom part of it this week as well. But it also covers what we did last week. And we'll put that in the show notes that you can access. It'll be a free handout for you. Okay, managing your mind. God sets specific standards for managing our thoughts. And this might be something you don't even think that you need to manage. You just don't think about it. But Philippians 4, 8 says, Finally, brethren, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is of good repute, if there is any excellence and if anything worthy of praise dwell on these things. When I was memorizing that, I used the little alliteration thurple, true, honest, right, pure, and lovely. So let's talk about that. When, you, when a thought goes through your mind, think. Is it true? Or is what I am thinking a lie, possibly, a rumor? A suspicion? Am I entertaining facts or hearsay or speculation? Sometimes we just don't think about that. We hear something and we just think on it, dwell on it. Is it true to God's character and his word? Is it noble? Is it my best, highest thought? Or is it cheap and second-rate? is it worthy of me as God's child and of the person it's aimed at these are things we need to think about <clears throat> so many thoughts go through our head and we unless we're focused in on evaluating them we can really get caught of of dwelling caught in dwelling on untruth the only thing that is true is God's word and we need to focus and dwell purposely dwell on God's word? Is it just? Is it in line with God's divine standard of holiness? Is this thought encouraging me to do what's right toward my fellow man? Is it encouraging me to live up to God's word and his guidelines for my life? If it's not, we need to ditch that thought and refocus. Is it pure? Is what I'm thinking holy spotless? Is it wholesome? Could this be brought into the presence of God? If God were right here in the room with you, is this a thought you should be thinking? Well, you know what? God is right with us. He's present. He knows what we're thinking. He sees us all the time. He knows our thoughts. So if it's not pure, we need to ditch that thought. We need to replace it with something that is right, that is true and pure and holy and lovely. Is it lovely? Is this a thought of 100% moral and spiritual beauty? Or is it tainted with vileness? The world is so vile. The world is not our friend. Our thoughts are not our friend. Is it gracious? Is it kind and forbearing? Or is it critical and harmful? It's so easy to be critical to other people to our children it's so easy to criticize them and not to build them up we need to not entertain critical thoughts or spiritually vile thoughts we need to replace them with god's thoughts in isaiah it says for our thoughts are not for my thoughts are not your thoughts saith the lord God's thoughts are so much higher and so much holier than our thoughts. And we need to put off the wrong thoughts and put on right thoughts. And it's not something you do once. It's something you need to constantly do. Is this thought of good report? If someone else were privy to this thought, would that person think it were commendable? Is it worthy of being verbalized? There are some thoughts that go through our mind that should never come out of our mouths. We need to think before we speak. Is it praiseworthy? Would this thought merit the praise of others? Would it meet with God's approval? That ultimately should be our goal. Is there any virtue? Is this vein of thinking filled with moral excellence? You know, our world is so tainted with sin that it's harder as time goes on, I think. Just seems like our culture is going downhill at a steady rate, and we need to not entertain those thoughts. We need to cast them off and think on what God's Word tells us to do the excellent thoughts, the worthy thoughts, the true. Honorable, right, pure, lovely, good repute. And we need to constantly evaluate and help our children to use these same guidelines to evaluate their thoughts. You know, the word of God says so much about our words. I did a study a while back called Words of Wisdom for junior high, high school kids. And I was shocked at how many words are listed in scripture. You know, just a few of them. There's words of faith, wise words, troubling words, truthful words, understanding words, upright words, vain words, sweet words, sound words, soft words, worldly words, offensive words, pleasant words, proud words, rash words, rightly divided words, skillful words, soft words, gracious words, grievous words, guileless words, fruitful words. And I'm not telling you all of them. This is, I'm just kind of picking and choosing here. Acceptable words, bitter words, bold words, blasphemous words, comforting words, corrupt words, devouring words, ensnaring words, enticing words, exhorting words, few words, fitly spoken words, Also in the Bible, lips and tongue refer to our words. Graceful lips, burning lips, destructive lips, righteous lips, boasting tongue, bridled tongue, evil tongue, fiery tongue, uh, healing tongue, stammering tongue, trained tongue. You know, this is a study if if your kids or you are having trouble with the words that are coming out of your mouth, it's a reflection of what's in your heart. But when you look up what God's Word says about these words, we have the verse to write down and the insight that God's Word tells us. And then you can personalize a prayer. Say, God, help me to not speak grievous words. I realize that I spoke grievous words yesterday to my daughter or whatever. Please help me to put off grievous words and put on helpful words, encouraging words. So this there's a place in there just to write a little prayer to, to God to help you personalize that, to help you put off the wrong and put on the right, or to cultivate the right. So if you're struggling with that, this would help you. I mean, it would help really all ages, and you as an adult as well. I was just amazed doing that study about how much the Bible talks about our words. And like, it's not just changing your words, it's changing your heart. But when you see what God's Word says about these different types of words, you may be speaking unhelpful words without even realizing it. It's just become a pattern in your life, or your kids in their life. You know, they might just lash out and be unkind to a brother without even thinking about it. So, this helps us focus on and evaluate. You know, what are my words like? Am I speaking kind words? Am I speaking helpful words? Am I speaking encouraging words? Or is my heart filled with evil and vileness and mocking and teasing? It's just a good evaluator because we are told to put off the wrong and put on the right. And that's something that we are supposed to do. You know, the Bible tells us in Colossians 3, 1 and 2, to set our minds on things above, not on things on the earth. So this is something that would help you in that journey. Okay, then God's guidelines for your ministry. You know, after we've given priority to our family, not perfection, we're never going to be perfect, but when we feel like we've got our priorities pretty much where they need to be, we can step out and begin to use the gifting God has given us to minister to others. John Wesley was known to say, do all the good you can, by all the means you can, in all the ways you can, in all the places you can, at all times you can, to all the people you can, as long as ever you can. Wow. We're here on earth to serve others, not ourselves. And God has given us special gifts to help us accomplish this. Elizabeth, in her book, shares this illustration, which I heard years ago, and I found it to be helpful in determining what your giftings might be regarding spiritual gifts. There's a fictitious church dinner where a cook drops a dessert on the floor. What happens next? The person whose gift is serving says, here, let me help you clean it up. They're very much into, help, into serving, into helping. The ruler says, Jim, would you get the mop? Sue, if you will help clean up, Mary and I will fix another dessert. They are great at delegating to get the job done. The giver, the generous person, says, I'll go out and buy another dessert. Don't worry about it. The one with the gift of mercy says, don't feel badly. It could have happened to anyone. I've done that before myself. They care so much about the feelings of the person that dropped it, they don't want them to feel badly. The prophet who sees truth real clearly says that's what happens when you're not careful. (laughs) The teacher says clearly the reason it fell was that it was unbalanced. The tray was too heavy on one side. The teacher gives a lot of attention to detail. The exhorter says, oh, to avoid this in the future, just use both hands, that will help. They want to give you a, a solution. They're looking for the solution to help you some people find that helpful to think, what would my response most likely be? Another way to determine your area of giftedness is to use the following signposts. Your service will bring you joy. Joy is a strong indicator of service. Usually what you're gifted in is not something that you dread. Oh, I can't stand the thought of doing this. It's something that brings you joy. Your service will bear fruit. Your service will bless both you and others. Your service will be affirmed by others, maybe by your pastors, by other people. As you use your gifts, others will let you know how it ministered to them and be appreciative of it. I know some, a lady who has the gift of encouragement and she just sends notes to people and she encourages so many people just from being in her own home and noticing what she can encourage and sending notes through the mail. Something little like that, but it's amazingly used in the lives of others. Your service will create opportunities for repeat service when you grow in your area of giftedness and others are blessed. Chances are you'll be asked again and again to repeat that ministry. Your service will glorify God and it will be obvious to all that God is getting glory from it. Also, if you want more help in the area of spiritual gifts, I noticed John MacArthur has a little book about spiritual gifts. I've not read it yet, but I expect it's pretty good. Okay, managing your time in life. A few closing thoughts on redeeming the time. Redeeming time means to reclaim, recover, retrieve, rescue, or regain it. We redeem time when we make the most of our life. Our time is so limited here on Earth, and we need to line our life up to make the most of the opportunities that we have for useful service. You know, there's a lot of good opportunities out there, but is, we need to think, is this the best use of my time? My time's limited. If you've got kids at home, you're homeschooling your kids, your time is limited. And there are a lot of good things you could do that would minister and be helpful. But is this the best use of your time? And we need to evaluate that. Too many good things can distract us from the best use of our time. And I know I've said that before, but it's so true. It's so easy to get caught up in doing good things, but not setting our priorities set right and doing the best things. We redeem time when we make the most of minutes, hours, and days of our busy life. You know, a day is made up of individual minutes, and we need to learn not to waste minutes. Rest is appropriate, and recreation is appropriate, as long as it's in balance, and it's our, we have our priorities set. We redeem time when we purposefully and prayerfully ask God for wisdom. You know, God is just waiting to pour out his wisdom to us. James tells us that. You know, we just need to ask him for it. We need to ask him and pray about it and see if this is something that we should be doing. We redeem time when we realize that we cannot manage time. Time is unrelenting and it's unmanageable. We can only manage ourselves. So how do we deal with the time issue so that all our good intentions don't get swallowed up in the swirling whirlwind of our busy lives? First of all, uncover the time bandits or robbers in our life. Procrastination. Sometimes it's fear. Sometimes it's lack of organization. Sometimes it's laziness, but we leave tasks undone. We don't retain our focus, and we don't follow through. Sometimes we just need to determine, I need to do this. Just do it we are planning and scheduling. If you don't plan your day, someone else will do it for you. You are the best one to plan, schedule, and protect your day. And if you don't, stuff's going to happen, and you're not going to get stuff done. People, suppose people were not on our plan for the day, you know, ministering to others. You've got to determine how much time you can give to people beyond your family determined to pray for wisdom as interruptions crop up. Sometimes it's God's direction. We need to learn flexibility, but we need to not be driven by time robbers. We need a balance. We need to just not constantly be driven, driven, driven. This happens, this happens. Taking care of the urgent and not taking care of reading our kids the scripture, teaching them the word of God. You know, those are priorities. And it's so easy to get caught up in taking them to this lesson or, you know, somebody's calling and they need help or the car broke down, I need to get it to the shop. I mean, life just happens. Life's busy. Sometimes we need to just stop and say, you know what, I've got to sit down and read a story to my kids. I've got to teach them the word. It's a priority. I need to do that today. I'll do these other things after I do this. Poor delegation, learn to train your kids in responsibility. And I promise you, it will develop character in their lives. And it will lighten your load. You can't do it all. You're not supposed to do it all. You are supposed to train your kids. And I've got other podcasts if you need help with that on how to train your kids to help you. Make a list of everything that needs to be done in your house. And then each year, evaluate, or each six months, or whatever, evaluate who is the best person in this home to do this chore, and then train them to do it, and schedule when the different things are done. So everything's getting done on a rotating basis. You can't do it all. You're not supposed to do it all. It's part of training your kids. They need to learn everything that They need to be a successful adult. And doing chores and ministry, that's all a part of it. When you're ministering to others, remember you are training your kids. Bring your kids with you. Take them by the hand and reach out and minister to others. Last week we talked a lot about that. If you need ideas, character and action is chock full of ideas that you can even do with little children in your home to bring them up in the mindset of serving others and not make life all about me, 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 me. You've got to do it. You've got to do it when they're young. I mean, it's never too late to start. But if you will start when they're young, it will be so much more a way of life for them forever. They will look for needs of others. They will look to meet those needs. Another reason, poor use of phone or screen time. Uh, You know, I did not have that challenge. Well, I had the challenge of the phone, but not screen time when I was raising my kids, except the last few, I guess, cell phones came into existence. But screen time is such a time waster. Put a time limit on it. If you want to go on Facebook, give yourself a 10-minute limit. You know, don't. Check it every time. Don't set your phone so it dings every time somebody says something and you're checking, checking, checking. I hate seeing a mom, say, at the park, taking her kids to play at the park, but she's sitting there on her phone the entire time while the kids are off by themselves. And it happens at home, too. You've got to limit it. You've got to limit it. It's one of the biggest challenges, I think, in our lives right now is that screen time. Yes, it's beneficial. Yes, there's a place for it but you need to get your priorities in line. Then do it. You know, give your a lot of time to it. But make sure you're ministering to your kids because they are so much more important than screen time. Junk mail, checking the news. Again, limit the time that you give to those things. The news is discouraging. Limit it. Priorities out of whack is another reason. Busyness is not a good indicator of effectiveness evaluate, guard your time, and redeem the time daily. On the handout that I'm giving you, the last little part of it says, a prayer for living out God's plan. And we will close with this. Pray over your priorities. Say, Lord, what is your will for me at this time in my life? And it changes as your kids' ages change, your husband's job, your responsibilities. But, you know, A year makes a huge difference in your kids. You might have a toddler who is so hyperactive, they need your constant attention, or a child who's struggling to read, and you feel like, oh, all my time is going toward this one child to teach them to read or to teach them to vision. It's such a struggle. Six months from now, it's going to be totally different. So you've got to reevaluate. Two, plan through your priorities. Lord, what must I do today to accomplish your will? I write little lists of what I need to do today. And sometimes I don't get it all done, but I'm not going to get it done if I don't write my list. And if I, I usually write it like the night before, because when I wake up in the morning, my brain is foggy. I might forget something. I get confused. So I live by my lists. Now, I don't make them my master, but... I make them my friend, a guide. Three, prepare a schedule based on your priorities. Lord, when should I do the things that live out these priorities today? Make sure you take care of the, you've got the priorities scheduled in. Not necessarily you have to do them first thing in the morning, but you have to have a time prepared to read the scripture to your kids, to teach them the word, and yourself too. Four, Proceed to implement your priorities. Lord, thank you for giving me direction for my day. You know, we talked about making prayer to pray as you go, making prayer something that you do on a constant basis. Cry out to the Lord. Say, Lord, I think I'm messing up. Help me get my priorities right. Help me get back on track. The Lord wants you to depend on him. He wants us to feel like we don't have it all together. That's the place he wants us to be because he wants us to know that we are dependent on him. You know, God wants us there. Five, purpose to check your progress. Just like when you give your kids a job, you need to check up on them. You need to check up on yourself. Lord, I only have a limited time left in my day. What important tasks do I need to focus on for the remainder of the day? Say it's four o'clock. Say, ah, there's so much on this to-do list. I didn't get done. What do I need to focus on for the remainder of the day? Evaluate. Don't just be driven by the immediate, by the urgent. Six, prepare for tomorrow. Lord, I blew it today. I really messed up my priorities. How can I better live out your plan for my life tomorrow? Write it down. You know, this is what I want to do first tomorrow. Sometimes you can't schedule it out to the nth degree, but you can list, have a priority list. I want to get this done first. I need to clean out that drawer, but first I need to um, read the Bible to my kids. I need to spend time in the Word myself. Then I really need to get a load of laundry in. I need to blah, 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 blah. Evaluate. Seven, praise God at the end of the day. This is kind of like talking to Him all the time. Lord, thank you for a meaningful day, for a day well spent. For I have offered my life in this day to you as a living sacrifice. And that is what our lives are to be a living sacrifice to God. You know, we may not have had an enjoyable day, we may have had to do a lot of tasks that are not fun, we may have had sick children. We may have had a lot of messy diapers to change. We may have had to take trips to the doctor, the hospital. We may have had the washing machine break down. We may have had the car break down. But we are to offer our lives as a sacrifice of praise. Remember, we are to rejoice in everything and realize that God is using everything that happens in our life to conform us to his will, to make us thankful people. To make us people who are focused on others. And to realize that everything that God allows to happen to me is meant for my good. Now I can not use it that way. I can become a bitter person, a griping person, an unthankful person. Or I can put those things off and do right. Choose thankfulness. Choose cheerfulness. Choose gratefulness. Choose to order my life in the way that God wants me to order my life. And if you blow it, you will blow it. I mean, we all blow it every time. But evaluate, say, oh Lord, this is where I made my mistake. Help me to do better tomorrow. You can even write out, you know, Lord, when this happens, help me remember this is what I need to do. I need to be grateful to you. I need to be cheerful. I need to communicate this to my kids. I hope this has been helpful to you. And again, I want to encourage you to access the handout. It talks about the Ten Commandments of Friendship that Elizabeth George has in her book and a prayer for living out God's plan. Thank you for joining us. Next week, I think our topic might be laziness and how to recognize that in ourselves and our kids and how to deal with it. God has a lot to say about that. Thanks for joining me today. It's been a pleasure to be with you. I'll see you next week. Have a great week.